Praise the Lord for the reading of His Word. Amen. Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Andy. I'm the counseling pastor here. And uh, uh, just uh, so thankful that you're here. Are you, do you like this weather? Some say yes. Some say, oh no, it's a good day. I, you know what? I, pr- I, I mean, I've made no bones about it. I prefer snow. Oh, I've heard that. I heard that in the first service. I feel like, oh. But look, this, it's not too bad. Like right here, there's a breeze blowing through. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the day. And thank you guys for being here. Um, we are in the sweet songs of summer. And so today, obviously, we're in Psalm 84. And uh, I don't want to waste any time. So let's get right in it and pray. Okay? God, thanks for the morning. Thanks for bringing us here. We are, God, we are uh, we're a thankful people. We're thankful that we can be here and hear your word, God, that you have preserved your word for us. That's amazing. And God, we want to be encouraged this morning from your word to do things in our life. Your spirit works through your word, God, to convict us of sin and and draw us to yourself. And God, your spirit works to help us understand that we're, we're sinners, God, in need of your grace. And so, God, we're thankful to be here, and we turn our time over to you, God, and pray that you be glorified in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I have notes. We have some notes that we'd be more than happy to hand out to you if you want to take notes. Um, And just wanted to um, let you know that we have some. Some people have asked for an opportunity to write some things down. Well, it's about uh, time to talk about some encouragement. You guys like to be encouraged? I have, I have kind of always known this about myself. I, at some level, I have always inside wanted to persuade people and to help people to be encouraged. I, I've always kind of wanted them to understand something or continue with something. I love to talk about God's Word. I think that's why I love biblical counseling. And for as long as I can remember, I have been involved in encouraging people to pull away from something or to lean into something pretty much all my life. And you guys know that I'm, I'm kind of a storyteller. If you've heard me preach before, I'm kind of a storyteller I, and I've got a story. And this is, this is the story of the toilet paper caper from Mount Pleasant Correctional Facility. Okay, I'm walking down the hall, and I look to the right, and it's a six-man room, and I mean it is loaded with toilet paper. And when I say full, I mean extremely full of toilet paper. And it is, it is everywhere, and it is wrapped around everything. And somebody in that room, <coughs> excuse me, got a hold of some toilet paper and decided to TP their house, all right? And they wrapped it around the lights, and th- those fluorescent lights have a ballast in it, and it heats up, right? And so when we took the toilet paper down, some of that toilet paper was singed. And then they called me, and they said, hey, we want you to be helping out with this investigation because it could have been kind of serious, but it wasn't. And so I met with my office partner, and he's like, okay, this is how it's going to go down. Like, we're going to call Tim in because I think Tim is going to sing like a bird. And I said, I don't think so. And he said, look, here's the deal. Um, 
people want to tell the truth, you just got to help them with it a little bit. And so what we did was we called him in and we said, well, Tim, here's the deal. Um, the toilet paper was singed and you could have started a fire, so we're kind of thinking about calling the state fire marshal. And that's probably going to mean something for you. But he looks at me because previously he said, what's going to happen is I'm bad cop, you're good cop. I said, okay, I love being the good cop. And I said, Tim, come on now. Don't you really want to tell us what's going on? And he's like, well, I don't want to give you more charges. And I'm like, well, that's motivation enough. Well, here's the deal. Tim sung like a bird. And we found out everybody that had been in that room. And all it took was a little bit of encouragement. My coworker was right. It just takes a little bit of a pry bar sometimes to help people with, with the things that are going on in their life, to really encourage a person. And I'm reminded what Charles Spurgeon says when he says, God employs his people to encourage one another. He didn't say to the angel Gabriel, my servant Joshua is about to lead my people into Canaan, so go and encourage him. Because God never works in needless miracles. If his purposes can be accomplished by ordinary means, he doesn't have to use miraculous agency. Gabriel wouldn't have been half so much so well-fitted as for the work of Moses. A brother's sympathy uh, is, uh, is more precious than an angel's embassy. And we should be glad that God usually works for man by man. It forms a bond of brotherhood. And being mutually dependent on one another, we are fused more completely into one family. This is what Psalm 84 is all about. Psalm 84 is about God using humans to communicate encouragement to humans. So the title of today's message is, A Little Encouragement Goes a Long, Long Way. And so this morning, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged from God's Word. And I suspect that some of you came in this morning needing it. Some of you need encouragement. We all do from time to time. And the encouragement is, is that Psalm 84 is just chock full of encouragement. And you know what the opposite of encourage is? It's discourage, right? And that prefix dis negates everything about the word after, and it, means, it just really means not to be encouraged. And so discouragement happens when you feel worn down, and your faith is strained, and your faith begins to falter. And I love what Randy Patton says about discouragement. He says, discouragement is sin because it's a failure to live by faith. It's a failure to live by faith. And so encouragement happens when we do what God's word says. So this morning I want you to be encouraged. And I want us to read the word and live by faith. And so let's look at, let's look at the four P's of encouragement from Psalm 84. Okay? The first P, the person. Look at what he says in verses 1 through 4. How lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord of hosts, and my soul longs, it, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord, and my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. And even the sparrows find a home, and the swallows a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. And blessed are those who dwell in your house, 
ever singing your praises. You catch that? You see who it's really about? You see who it's really about? You know what problems do? Problems throw off our focus. And they can rattle us and they make you feel hopeless. But I'd say real hope in trouble and your only hope in real despair is God. That's true. And it's when you feel hopeless that discouragement begins to overtake you and it can kind of settle in. Now, tell you, I'm a little weird. Those of you that know me know I'm a little weird. It's okay. We can say it. I, <laughs> I have two sets of glasses that I wear. Does anybody else wear two sets of glasses? I'm not talking about sunglasses. I'm talking about like these. Yep, one person. You and me, out of two services, just two. Now, I wear my old pair. They're lighter, um, and they're just easier to kind of maneuver um, when I work around the house, when I mow, or when I lay on the couch and I'm afraid I'm going to fall asleep because I don't really care if they get all that bent up. And that's fine, except the problem is is that my prescription is off just a little bit. Right? You ever had a prescription that was just off a little bit? And so, <laughs> so I've got these glasses, and these are fine, but my other one, the prescription is just not, they're just not quite as strong, and they're just not quite as good. So if I wear the other ones too long, then my vision gets off, and I can't see things the way I need to. It's just hard for me to focus. And that next day is really, really difficult for me to focus. What I really need, what you and I really need, is we need the right prescription all the time. We need the right prescription. We need to have the right prescription so we can focus on the right stuff all the time. In the calm days of our lives, in the midst of the trouble of our lives, we just we have to have the right Godward focus. And our goal has to be more consistently focusing on the right person. That's the whole point. God's the one that has solutions to our problems. God's the one that has solutions to our problems. God is the right person to focus on. After all, he really does know everything about us and our lives. And he has a plan for our life. It's one of the verses that I use a lot in counseling. It's just I'm around it a lot and I think about it a lot. And so I use it a lot in my own life, in the people that I talk to. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. And so when it comes to the problems in our life, it's common. It's common to focus on the problem. It's common to focus on the problem, but we just can't focus on the problem. We have to trust and focus on the person who's the problem solver. We have to focus on the problem solver. Trust God. Focus on Him. And when you do, when you focus on the right person, your encouragement will rise. I love what Bev Moore says in her article, Trusting God's Character. Here's what she says. During these storms of life, we need an anchor for our souls. That anchor has to be the truth of what God has revealed to us about Himself, about His character. And too often we want to determine what God is like through our circumstances. And our circumstances were never intended to be used to evaluate God's character. That's a really great quote. 
And Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And so let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble. Do you see where the focus is? Who's the focus on? God. We have to rely on the person who's worthy of our focus and in control of our circumstances. I believe that the writer of Psalm 84 is. I see it all over the psalm. Look at what he says in verses 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. And my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing to the living God. And even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow finds a nest for her, for her young at your altars. Here's a big question. If birds want to be around where God is and that's their focus, shouldn't you? Shouldn't I? Shouldn't we want to be where God is the focal point of everything? We have to be encouraged to be focused on the right person. And verse 4 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. That word for dwell means, that means it, it makes, it's a place where you abide. It's where you live. It's where you make your home. And the way to combat discouragement and be encouraged is to make God the focus of all your circumstances. Make him the most important, important person in your life. Make him the focus of good times and bad times and trusting him in everything. Ed Welch says, when people are big and God is small, no man can take survey of himself, but he must immediately turn to his contemplation of God, and in whom he lives and moves. And when we listen to God after difficult self-examination, God reveals himself as the welcoming one. There's no, I told you so. There's no, timeouts in the spiritual isolation room. Instead, God rejoices that we've turned to Him. And we've turned in a more wholehearted way. And God promises the repentant person that none of the offenses he's committed will be remembered against him. Encouragement starts with focusing on the right person. Focusing on the person of God and having the right prescription so that we can have the right focus for the circumstances in our life. And the more you focus on him, the less focused and, and uh, overwhelmed and discouraged you'll be with your life. The more you focus on him, the less you focus on you. The second P is people. Quick question. Are you one of God's people? Are you? Are you really one of God's people? Do you belong to Him? Verse 5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And you know, one of the most encouraging things to know is where you fit in. You know, I, we, I've talked about this before. When I've preached, talked to some of you. I, I won't go into all the details, but my, my mom was adopted. And uh, what dogged her most of her life was that she never really felt like she fit in. She never really, she really never knew where her identity was. It bothered her most of her life. And honestly, it led to 
a lot of insecurities and discouragements that work themselves out in ways in her life that when we think about it now, of course, of course. She just, my mom longed to know where she fit in. She longed to understand where she belonged. And knowing your identity and reminding yourself of it, and if you're one of God's people, a saved person, that's essential. That's essential to staying encouraged. Knowing where you fit in. Because we all get discouraged. And we lose our focus. And we forget. The problem becomes the biggest thing. And he becomes the smaller thing. And so Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Those are great promises. Those are great promises. And MacArthur says this about Psalm 84. He says, the sons of Korah, they were gatekeepers. They were, gate, they, were gate, gate, they were gatekeepers. They were musicians. They were gatekeepers. And they, they were in the temple of Jerusalem. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 27, it says, And they lodged. That means they made their home around the house of God. For on them lay the duty of watching. And they had charge of opening it, the gate, every morning. And the sons of Korah referenced at the beginning of the psalm. They knew where they belonged. That was their identity. They knew their identity. And when they knew their identity, their praise rose. You can read it in Psalm 84. It's a psalm of praise to God. Who is their focus? Their encouragement showed. And in their praise to God, and in their desire to remember Him, came out in Psalm 84. And your encouragement will come when you remember who you are. When you really, really evaluate where your strength is. When I read, blessed are those who strengthen you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, verse 5. I think that sounds like identity. And so if you're taking notes and you're writing in your Bible, I want you to write this down. Sometimes I'm a, I like to write in the margins of my Bible. I like to take notes. If you do that, remember this. Commit it to memory. We are all living out our identity all the time. Always. Always, always, always. We're all living out our identity all the time. What and who's the most important thing to you comes out in all the circumstances of your life. And how you respond. That's what Paul Tripp says. Tripp says, what and who we identify with are powerful influences in our life. And so believer, if you're a believer in Jesus, continue to be encouraged with the truth of the identity that you have and continue to remind yourself of it. The creator of the universe has saved you and he's moved you from death to life and given you eternal life. And we don't have a great high priest who's not unsympathetic. We have a great high priest who is sympathetic to our weaknesses. And so be encouraged. God understands your hurts. And he understands the problems of your life. 
And when you remember who your identity is in, your encouragement rises. Makes me think of like John 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. Friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I choose you. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, the father of my name, he may give it to you. Or John 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I've, came, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Or 2 Corinthians 5.17. I talk about that verse a lot. I think about that verse in my own life. Do you think about that verse in your life? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? New creation. And the old has what? Passed away and the new has come. You see, our identity and who we identify with, the person that we identify with, helps our encouragement rise and guards against discouragement. And you can't forget the valley of Baca in verse 6. Those whose strength is in you travel through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. Now that word, that's a real place. It's a real place that, that goes up to Jerusalem. It's a desert place. But it also is a word that refers to a tree that drops resin, like raindrops. It could be a, a balsam tree. It could be some type of tree that has its resin that drops. And that valley is an arid, arid desert. And when we know where we belong, when we know who our identity is in, and that His love is sure for us, we're just able to trust Him in the desert times and the problems of our life. That's the whole idea. Deserts are no fun. Is anybody sweating? right now? Nope, I am. And I've told you, I'd rather be in the snow. But the heat is real, and heat is oppressive, and the heat of life comes in the circumstances of our life, and sometimes it's like walking through a desert. And our circumstances, they can make us cry, and they, they can make us weep, and we can feel alone and discouraged and the oppressive heat of circumstances comes into our lives and we can feel certainly overwhelmed and only God can take what appears to be a desert only God can take what appears to be a desert a wasteland of problems and carry us through and keep us encouraged only God does that knowing who you belong to and remembering where your identity is just keeps you well watered and hydrated and encouraged in the driest deserts of your life. And in our problems and in the circumstances of our life, when things get heavy, we can agree with Paul in Romans 5.3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And the third P, don't forget about prayer. Look at what he says in verses 8 and 9. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer and give ear, O God of Jacob. And behold our shield, O God, 
and look on the face of your anointed. If you want to be encouraged, pray. If you want to be encouraged, pray. If you want to continue to be encouraged, pray. Josh has mentioned it before. He's talked about it. We have this, this, growing, this growing prayer group in our church. Right? And it seems to be growing more and more and more. And you can ask people in that group. I think probably what you would hear is that one of the biggest parts of it is that they feel encouraged. They feel encouraged to be able to pray for people, and they feel encouraged when God prays for them. And it's so encouraging to see God move in prayer. We've seen answers to prayer. We've seen answers to prayer. If you want to be encouraged, don't forget about prayer. The Puritan J.B. Manton said, Since we have a Father in heaven, let us look to heaven often. And friendship and communion with God must not be rare and infrequent, but constant and often. He goes on to say, If we have a love for God, we cannot keep long out of God's company, but we'll be with Him pouring out our hearts and pouring out our hearts to Him. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is, when you pour your heart out to God. And when He encourages you knowing that He's listening and that you can talk to Him and that He cares about what's going on in your life. Romans says we should strive in prayer. Romans 15.30 says pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says always give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. Prayer has this way of refocusing our attention on God and it reminds us of who He is. Prayer encourages us because it it reminds us of of how He's concerned about us. Verse 9, Behold our shield, O God, and look on the face of your anointed. And in verse 11 it says, The Lord God is our sun and our shield. He's our king. He's our protector. You want to be encouraged this morning? You need to be encouraged this morning? Remember to be in prayer and communicate with Him frequently, your King and your protector. William Gurnall said, Prayer is nothing but promises reversed. Praying back to God about what He's told you about Himself and His promises in His Word should be an encouragement to your soul. And we're called to pray without ceasing because we're called to always be in a state of prayer, ready to pray and give thanks to God because He's your shield and your protector. He's your king. And keeping current with God is essential to staying encouraged because you're communicating with the one who knows all about you and all about your life. He's the most concerned person about your life. And remember, an encouraged person is praying. An encouraged person is a praying person. Because it wells up a well of hope for you knowing that we can talk to the Father about what's going on with us and that he cares for us. And the fourth P, don't forget the provider. Don't forget the provider. Verses 10 through 12. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You're already singing the song. Right? For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord God bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. God is good. Do you believe it? 
Do you believe that he's good? Writer of Psalm 84 believes it. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And he'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in tents of wickedness. Do you see your life that way? Do you see your life in a thankful way? When you think about the events of your life and the way that it trends, are you thankful for what God gives you? We should be. I should be. But I think we get ticked and we get upset when we don't get what we want, when we don't get what we think we deserve, when we think our way is better. We're wicked sinners that way. We just want what we want and we're willing to sin to get whatever we want. We want it our way. We want what our flesh wants. We want other things than God. We just want other things than God. But the writer of Psalm 84 would rather stand in the temple just to be near God. Is that you? Would you rather just be near God than any place else in the whole world? Out of all the places that the writer could have been, out of all the things he could have done, he just wants to be near where God is. I just got to be near him. I just got to hear what he says. I just, I got to interact with him. It's like James 4, 8 that says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Is that you? I mean, when you evaluate it, do you long for God? Do you really, really long for Him? Jimmy Needham says, We must have our God, or we don't have anything. We must have God, or we don't have anything. All the great joys ring hollow without Him. Every blood-bought pleasure and treasure our dollar store trinkets until he takes his place at the center of our delights. It's a great quote. But when he does, when he does, every other gift is sweetened forever. You see, when you understand whose you are, and you understand that he's your provider, and you're in prayer to him because you're communicating with him, everything he gives you, you're thankful for. Everything he gives you, you love. Do you just want to be near God and draw near to him because of who he is to you? And if you're a believer, are you just so thankful that God's in your life that you'd just be like the writer of Psalm 84, just a lowly doorman? Is that okay? I mean, would you be a lowly doorman if it just meant that you were close to where God was? I just got to be near him. You know what makes a person like that? Gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude takes a person that's steeped in their pride and makes them thankful for whatever God brings. Gratitude and thankfulness. It makes you be that person that just says, wherever God's at, that's where I want to be. I just have to be near him. In verse 11, the Lord bestows favor and honor to those who are his, and no good thing does he withhold. He doesn't hold back from those who walk uprightly. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. You know what it is? It's the 
You know what I'll do? I'll sweep floors. I'll clean toilets. I'll watch doors. I'll do whatever God calls me to do in this life. All I, all I need is just to be around you. That's what it is. I just want to do whatever you want. And so I want the way I walk, and I want the way I live my life to be a reflection of my love and trust for you, Lord. You give me favor, and you give me honor, and you bless me beyond belief. You provide for me whatever I need. And listen, when you get to that point, when you remember that God provides for you, and he has you right where he wants you because he loves you, your encouragement will rise. Your encouragement will rise. And Paul says in Philippians 4, he says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever whatever situation I'm in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. What it is is this. Grateful people, happy people, they're happy with what God gives them. They become encouraged people. Grateful people that are happy with what God gives them become encouraged people. And ungrateful people ultimately become discouraged people because you aren't thankful for what you have. And the remedy for this is always humble repentance and trust and thankfulness for the one who really provides for you. So if you're a believer, you're a believer, you can enjoy the encouragement from Psalm 84. You have to have the right focus on the right person. You have to remember that you're one of his people. You have to actively pray. And when you do, that realigns you, that realigns you, encourages you in your position. And finally, you've got to remember your provider. He gives you what he gives you because he loves you. And one of the most discouraging things for a person is not really knowing where they fit in or really who they belong to. If you aren't one of God's people, you don't know Him as Savior, you haven't trusted Him as Savior, nothing in your life will change in the discouragement department until you do. You can try. You can modify your behavior, but it's a heart change that comes with being in Christ that raises your encouragement. So I'd say you need to be saved. And you need to know that you're a sinner in need of salvation. And believe in Christ by faith. And that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin by taking your sin onto him on the cross. And that we're saved when we believe in Christ by faith. And it's by grace, not by works. And when that happens, when that happens, God will begin to transform your life and begin to change your life for real so that the things that have a tendency to discourage you, now you're looking to him who's the encouragement for you. That can happen with a new life in Christ. Let's pray.
God, thanks for your word. Thanks for the ways in which you work through your word, God. You take an inadequate person with speech blunders and dry mouth, not really liking the heat, God, and there's a way in which your spirit cuts through all the inadequacies that we have, God, and gets to the heart of a person. And so, God, I pray that people would be encouraged this morning to see you in bigger ways and to pray to you, God, and to be reminded if they have put their faith and trust in you, God, that you're good and that you're providing for them. And God, that we'd have the right focus. And if there's one here, God, that has not believed in Christ, I pray that you would work in their heart, God, to draw them to yourself and save them this morning. We're thankful to be here, God, and thankful for the encouragements that come from your word. And uh, God, as we leave here this morning, we're going to be thinking about all the ways in which you encourage us. God, thanks for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.